the Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Friday morning, the 2nd of November, with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. We'll be talking with Patrick Tobin a little later on in this morning's programme. As you probably know, the Mead West TD was suspended by Sinn Féin yesterday. There was no dis- surprise in how disciplinary action was taken against him after he voted against the passage of abortion legislation. It's the second time Tobin has been suspended because of his pro-life views and it is the second time he's been suspended for six months. The surprise this time round, however, is that this could spell the end of Patrick Tobin's role as a TD, albeit in the medium term. If an election is held before April, he won't be able to stand as a Sinn Féin candidate and he says he won't be running as an independent. Angus O'Snuddy is uh, the Sinn Féin party chief whip and a TD for Dublin South Central. You broke this news uh, to Patrick Tobin as expected uh, in the scenario that I, I've just outlined though where he is in a, a position where he can't stand in the next general election do you believe he'll be lost to politics? I, I think Patrick could, could stand I don't believe that uh, uh, an election is any more Im- imminent than it was when Patrick spoke against the party whip and voted against it uh, two weeks ago and so we don't know when the next election is and at the end of a six month suspension and Hatter will automatically revert to, to, to the party as, as he did in the past when he was suspended for six months. What would happen if he stood as a, an independent? Well, if he stood as an independent, he wouldn't have the backing of the party. Mm. Um, at that stage, that it would be up to the electors of, of me mm. um, to elect him or not, ele- not elect him. He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't be under the Christian time. Uh, banner who wouldn't be standing, I presume, under a Shinkane policy platform, which he did in the last election. Mm. In the circumstances, though, uh, because he voted with his conscience against the party whip, which has changed and changed again numerous times over, if there was to be an election before April and Sinn Féin were to field a candidate and Patrick Tobin was to run as an independent, uh, which of them would you vote for? I would vote for the party. I'm a Sinn Féin member and I would vote and if, uh, in any election for a Sinn Féin candidate, uh, first and foremost, albeit that kind of Paddy is a good friend of mine and I've kind of known Paddy uh, all, all his political life. Um, it's a pity that he took the decision to defy the party whip, uh, knowing the full consequences of what, what that meant because I had the discussion with him uh, prior to him voting, as I had on other occasions. Uh, over the years, including when he was first suspended. So Potter uh, knowingly did what he did, and he knew that the party had, uh, democratically at all mm. uh adopted the position that all party TDs would have to comply with the whip in, the, in this legislation. Uh, that most must put three times uh, by coming in the meat area and elsewhere. Mm. Uh, but so if you voted for the independent, Patrick Tobin, uh, would it not result in him ultimately returning to the party and becoming a Sinn Féin TD once again? Well, there's, there's no guarantee. Kind of any, 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 anybody who uh, stands for election for Sinn Féin stands on a, a political platform if, in the event, Sinn Féin was uh, managing to uh, persuade an independent or somebody from another party to join the party, they would do so on the basis that they would comply fully and agree fully with 
uh, uh, and uphold the so party. So he, he he would be allowed to re-enter the party if he was elected as an independent. Well, he, he, he would he would have to apply like anybody else to join the party. But he, he but says he was told that he wouldn't be allowed to. You're saying that he would be allowed to. Does the, the, anybody is entitled to apply to join the party mm. at, the, at that stage? Uh, Potter would have contested if if this comes to, to, to being. I don't think it will. Um, he would like every other independent. Uh, TV, every other member of the public be entitled to apply to join the party. And mm. part of joining the party, like any organisation, is you agree to abide by the rules. And those rules include kind of the, the rules around the whip and the rules around uh, exposing uh, party policy on every opportunity. Okay, but it, 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 it's wrong to say that he would not be allowed to return to Sinn Fein. Well, as I said, anybody is entitled to. Sure, but Patter Tobin is saying he he was told he wouldn't be allowed. No, that's that's wrong, is it? Well, Patter is wrong in that impression. At the end of six months, Patter automatically reverts back to to, to Sinn Fein. No, but it, it, unless it, he takes a d- d- different decision, well, he takes a different decision, he would be standing against the Sinn Fein. Ah, right. If he stands uh, against I, the Sinn Féin candidate, will he be allowed to re-enter the party? He can apply like everybody else can apply. So is he wrong when he says he was... Well, is he wrong when he says he was told he would not be allowed to re-enter the party? But he can apply. Yes, but, but if, he can, if he can apply, then it's wrong to say that he would not be allowed to re-enter the party. Well, is that right? Yeah, that. Say, saying that, and what, and yes, but I'm asking you to say if he's wrong. I just said he is. Okay, he's thank wrong. you. No, no. Well, I mean, I, 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 I apologize. I, I didn't hear you say it. I, but I, 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 I thought we were at odds with each other. But he, no, but the, he is wrong to say that he would not be allowed. So he would be allowed to re-enter. He would be allowed to apply to join the party, even and, even and if he stands against a Sinn Fein candidate. If he if he runs as an independent and stand, uh, and runs against a Sinn Fein candidate, he will be allowed to uh, apply to re-enter. Yes, and and part of the condition of being a member would you would have to give a commitment to abide by the rules, given. Paddler's stance at the moment is he says that he will not be willing to abide by the rules of the party as expressed by the membership at Ardeshes. Then, if he stood against the party, he would have to reaffirm uh, the commitments he's given in the past to abide by party rules. He and hasn't done that in this occasion, that's why he's suspended. And does that mean that if he was to reapply or apply to re enter Sinn Fein, uh, that he would have to give a, a commitment? Uh, to follow the party whip and vote in, in favour uh, of abortion legislation at all times. If it's in line with party policy, not all. But it is. Well, mm. Not all. Okay. On abortion comes in and pass and okay. voted again. But yes, that would be, and it would be the same with any other policy. Okay. So, so, so this goes back to what Peter Tobin is saying. It's a, a de facto expulsion. Well, of course, because of it, it is in within Pader's gift. It's not within our gift at this stage. The suspension has been given, and he will automatically revert to being a Sinn Féin member mm. at, at the end of that six months, as others have, kind of when they face their disciplinary procedures and suspensions, and they have reverted back and have played kind of a, a full role in the party again. But what is there is this? a recognition of democracy here. The party has its rules. The party has debated these rules and the policies. Uh, in the last three years, there's been a motion to the Ardash in relation to um, the, the, the whip and the vote uh, on such legislation, and it has been overwhelmingly uh, agreed that the whip would be imposed. 
um, and Padder understood that. So any any decision is not just against party po- policy, it's also against the par- party membership who've taken this vote. Okay, uh, just uh, by the way, uh, I think the quality of the line is a little bit muffled. It sounds as though you're not speaking directly into the mouthpiece, if I, if I could ask you to. No, uh, it's, it's just a, the room I'm in something. Okay, sure. After a while, so. All right, yeah. No, it's just I think people uh, in this locality are, are very interested in hearing what you have to say. Uh, you're talking. You were talking there about the party membership. Patrick Tobin continues to be a member of Sinn Féin, doesn't he? And it's uh, the party whip that has been suspended. So. No, there, there is a slight difference to our party. We don't have a parliament. Party, so uh, Padder's uh, party membership has been suspended for a period of six months. Um, all, other parties allow their, their members, when they're disciplined, to uh, continue with, with, with within the party. In, uh, in mm. Sinn Féin's case, it is a uh, suspension of full membership. So, will you take his money? Sorry? Will you take his money? I'm not taking any money off. Well, Sinn Féin, well, you you give your uh, a good portion of your salary to Sinn Féin, don't you? No, I I, I make a donation to the party um, in, in line with the SIPO rules. If pa, pa, and that's kind of often mm. free will. Yeah. Pada can stop uh, making a donation at a, at any stage in his life. He can do it now, and that's the only uh, money that party would get from Pada. I presume if it's to do with kind of the the party officers and party head of paper and the like. Um, Padder has been through a suspension before, you know, mm. the status of rules. No, I'm talking about uh, uh, Sinn Féin, uh, Rockland members, uh, uh, public representatives say that uh, you uh, claim uh, the average industrial wage and donate the rest to the party. Uh, would you expect Padder Jobin to do that or, or could he uh, keep that money now to put it away for a, a campaign should he change his mind and decide to run as an independent? Well, it's kind of all, the, the money that TD earns, kind of, we, take, we take the average wage and then the rest goes into the local area um, to increase the um, services to the constituents and also um, Pat will be fully aware of that and, and he has obviously uh, in, in enjoyed the fact that he's the chair of a, uh, an Oireachtas committee which kind of would have, would, would have helped him in his constituency thus far. Um, so there, there is... Um, obviously, money's there, but that's all in the gift of Padre Tobin. It's not in the gift of Sinn Féin. OK, so that's a, a decision for him to make uh, and will have no bearing on as to whether he can return to the party or not. It, it has no bearing whatsoever. Padre is effectively suspended from Sinn Féin um, and kind of, uh, um, until six months' time. And at that stage, Padre can join. Well, he automatically becomes a member again. Um, and kind of we... we, we, we continue as we were as such. Mm. And will his behaviour in between now and then have any bearing on whether he's deemed suitable to re-enter the party should he reapply? No, it's not a, it's not a reapplication. He At the end of the six months, Pallor doesn't reapply. He automatically, kind of, the suspension is lifted. Um, so, kind of, the, the, mm. it's not... It's but but, not if, he, if, but if there was to, just going back to that other scenario, if there was to be an election and he ran as a, an independent, uh, you said he could reapply. Uh, it, would his behaviour in between now and then have any bearing on uh, how he would be considered if he did reapply in such a, a, a case? Well, we'll deal with that if, if it arises, but I don't, I, I don't think so, and, as, and it didn't, as I said. Uh, Padder automatically became membership again after the six-month suspension he served in, in, in the past. Mm. 
Well, uh, thinking of uh, a group of ATDs uh, who are uh, working together, proposing uh, amendments against uh, the abortion legislation, which is supported by Sinn Féin, uh, of course. Uh, Padre Tobin is not one of the ATDs. Uh, Carol Nolan, who uh, was a member of Sinn Féin but left uh, for similar reasons, is. Uh, If Padre Tobin was to join with this grouping, would it have any bearing in the scenario that I outlined? No, the only Sinn Féin, only amendments kind of Sinn Féin will be putting will be in, in Louise O'Reilly, mm. name. But if Patrick Tobin, if, if, Pat, if Tobin was to join this group, uh, which are, are looking for women to be offered uh, the chance to listen to a fetus's heartbeat uh, by way of ultrasound, uh, would that have any bearing on how the party might see him in the future? As I said, kind of, I don't know whether it would be any clear. Kind of pattern is, is, is if you want to put it in uh, the, the, the parlance of American football, he is a free agent. But in six months' time, he automatically becomes a Sinn Féin member. Mm. I would hope that in that six months, that Padder uh, doesn't go around uh, espousing views that are contrary to Sinn Féin, but he isn't under our direction. He isn't under our He's rules. free. He's free right. to do so. Because he is no longer a Sinn Féin member. So he's his free to do so. His, his, his membership is suspended for the six months. Okay. Uh, have you a, any message uh, that you'd like uh, to relay to his uh, team and his supporters? Well, I'd like Pat himself, I, as I've said to him directly, it's, I, it's a pity it has come, come to this that, uh, that Pat is now serving a second suspension. Um, the party has been democratic in all its dealings on these issues quite openly. Uh, kind of the last three audiences have debated quite openly uh, the, the views of Pader and others, and they haven't been uh, accepted by the overwhelming majority of the party. Um, and it's a pity that Pader took the decision to defy. And not only the party with, but also the party members. It's another bad day for Mary Lou Macdonald, isn't it? I mean, this doesn't happen under the leadership of Jerry Adams. You had all of these opposing views in your party, but he was able to hold it together somehow. Uh, since Mary Lou Macdonald has taken over, Carol Nolan has said to hell with you. Uh, Padre Tobin is being effectively expelled, and you've had a most dismal presidential election. Uh, are there questions now for Mary Lou Macdonald? No, I don't think so. And under Jerry Adams' uh, reign, if, if, if you want, Conor Tobin was suspended for six months and others... Uh, he he were, wasn't were expelled. Suspended. I mean, in effect, well, no, he's been he, expelled. He uh, Carol Nolan has said, good luck. Uh, and you've uh, had uh, what can only be considered to be a rotten uh, election uh, putting forward uh, a, a candidate uh, to become the President of Ireland. I, I must... Correct you there. Conor Tobin has not been expelled. He's effectively, been expelled I mean, I think we agreed he's been effectively expelled because you've said that he has to vote in line with the party's view on abortion if the suspension is to be lifted, and you know he's not going to do that. And, and, and no different to in 2013 when he was suspended, he returned to the party under the same Oh, it is rules. different. No, it's not, it's not different because in 2013, the same rules applied, the same decisions and he knew when he contested the election in 2018 that he was contesting the election for a party that uh, was seeking the repeal of the Eighth Amendment. It, 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 is, it is different because in 2013, Sinn Féin wouldn't have voted for the abortion legislation that you're in favour of now. Sinn Féin would have voted for the repeal of the Eighth Amendment because it was in our party manifesto yes. for the last four 
Yes, uh, general election in other, certain other circumstances. No, no, you would not. Have, you would not have voted in favour of unrestricted access to abortion up to twelve weeks. Potter knowingly contested the elections with that in mind, and he disagreed with us in two thousand and thirteen, yes. and he's now disagreed. With so it's a, a de facto expulsion. You've expelled him from the party. You've we, lost Carol Nolan, we, 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 and we and that the, 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 par- the party sh- surely be the god. The party is in crisis, and you recognise that, or else you're blind to reality. No, the party is not in not in crisis. The party, in fact, you've lost is, two TDs and nine percent in the presidential TDs. election against no other party candidate. Well, kind of, you, you have a different view to what I have. We have lost eight TDs, Carol Nolan, who also defied the party with. Um, and the, we have standards one party uh, TV, uh, and kind of we would hope that Pada will return uh, in six months' time and enjoy the benefits of being in Shintan, and we work together towards uh, our, our, our ultimate goals and impacting on society both north and south. Okay, uh, we'll assume that if there's an election before April, Padre Tobin won't be standing. If uh, another candidate is elected for Sinn Féin in that uh, election, will uh, you allow him to stand in the election after that? If Padre Tobin is a member of the party after six months' suspension, then it is open to Padre to, to put his name forward. Um, he has already been selected as the candidate, so once the suspension is up, unless the area has... Uh, had another mm. convention, I can see Paddle not being the candidate. Do, do, do you think that people locally will see this as treachery? By, by Paddle, no, I don't think so. Kind of because, kind of, uh, no, people so. locally uh, will no, feel that you've acted is, treacherously against a, a valued member of the party. I, I can't see how the people would see Paddle being treacherous. Paddle has, has a no, not that Paddle has been treacherous, that Sinn Féin has been treacherous. In, in how you're treating this man. That, that we stood by our democratic uh, policies and by the rules of an organisation yes. that I was a member of. Yes. I can't see how that would be effective. Um, you know, usually people are given out that politicians don't stick to their promises. We, 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 the party did on this occasion and was quite open in the discussions uh, in full democratic uh, decisions taken at our is that we would uh, ensure that to repeal the eighth happened and that the legislation uh, as reflected by the Citizens Assembly would, would then be passed um, and that all party TVs would comply with the whip. They were the democratic decisions by our membership so we, we gave our membership including quite a lot uh, in the new constituency and their voice at that or I guess some voted one way and some voted the other way. It's not treacherous uh, if, if a vote goes against you. Okay. We'll leave there for the moment. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be speaking with Padre Tobin a, a little later in the programme. Uh, but uh, thank you indeed for outlining the party's position to us uh, this morning. Ingus Osnoddy is uh, TD for Dublin South Central and the Sinn Féin Party Chief Whip. Michael Reed on LMFM. The Warren Point Port Authority says it carries out a major dredging programme every two to five years with uh, the material then disposed of in the Irish 
HC, but it wants to change this and to carry out dredging on a more regular basis, but on a smaller scale, and to dispose of the material in the mouth of Carlingford Lock. It's to ensure that there's a sufficient water depth so that it's safe to birth vessels and so on. But there is objection to this, and we'll hear why now from Phil Scott, who's a member of Dundalk's Sub Aqua Club and a resident in Carlingford. Uh, good morning to you and thanks uh, for joining us, uh, Phil. Is this a, a case of uh, the silt being taken up from the bottom of the lock in Northern Ireland and then dumped in uh, the section that's in the Republic? Not quite that, Michael, no. Um, basically, what the port need to do, they're, they're growing in trade and they want to do more regular disposal and they have cited in their application that a lot of this is driven by cost to effectively bring the cost down because they're dredging operations at the moment um, where they where they currently dump about 26 kilometres out are um, you know very high cost to their organisation. So what they're looking to do, they, they want to dredge the port regularly and basically take it out, but dispose of it in the lock. Actually, the disposal site they're looking at is on the northern side of the lock, so it's just across from Greencastle. Right. Um, so they're not they're not necessarily their disposal site isn't in the southern side; it's in the northern side. So, what's the problem then, from your point of view, on the southern side of the lock? Okay. Well, our issue, I think, you know, from a from a club point of view, we dive the lock year round. We estimate we do around over 800 dives in the lock, so we get a tremendous amount of observation time of the underwater marine environment. Um, there's two particular reefs in the lock that we dive on regularly, and, you know, I think all club members would agree that, you know, it, they are literally teeming with marine life. We have a huge biodiversity of um, represented within the lock. Mm. And, um, you know, on top of that as well... You are you, are you trying to tell us, just by the way, are you trying to tell us uh, that it's just as beautiful below the water level as it is above it? I'd say it's more beautiful, <laughs> personally. Enough, yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. so varied, you know. And we would, we'd have sea search divers within our club which are qualified to effectively do marine um, identification. We would log that data into a central database, you know. And, you know, with reference to... Uh, I suppose we're not scientists, but with reference to, um, you know, marine observation guides, we would say we've got over 80 percent of marine life around Ireland covered in the lock. So it's a tremendously rich environment. Mm. Um, and on top of the lock, you know, we have seal colonies. We've been seeing otters this year. There's a lot of um, protected bird um, breeding areas as well. Um, the lock has a number of um protected marine conservation zones, special protected areas. Um, you know, just I suppose in total, it's a very, very biodiverse and very biosensitive area. Mm. And, you know, our concern is that to start disposing of the dredge effectively in the lock, where it's going to free the tide spread around, you know, mm. we, we would have concerns over the nature of the material in the dredge. Um, and we feel that that particular proposal by the port um, 
you know, is very likely to have a detrimental impact on the marine environment. Is it that you don't trust the port? A uh, suspicion, by the way, <laughs> again, on a, a side note, uh, that if this interview achieves nothing else, uh, it may uh, result in a surge in applications from people to join the Subaqua Club, because you make it sound uh, yeah. so interesting <laughs> and uh, enjoyable. Uh, yeah. But uh, is it that you don't trust the port? Because the port says it's the custodian of yeah. the marine environment uh, and Absolutely. that it, it's going to do the right thing here to carry out all of uh, the necessary yeah. surveys it look at marine ecology sediment surveys geophysical mm-hmm. surveys and so mm-hmm. on uh, mm-hmm. so so w- w- what's the problem here if they're approaching this the way they say they are okay um we would have a concern um around the um transboundary legislation um that the port following. Now, they're being guided, obviously, by the regulatory authorities in, in Northern Ireland. Um, and we have been working with a couple of environmental organisations on this. Um, so the, the study they're carrying out is what's called a characterisation study um, over the next so nine months-ish um, to, to, have, to be concluded around um, this time next year. Um, we feel that this proposal, given the marine sensitivity um, and the, the, the areas we're talking about, and also given the transboundary implications, we feel that a full environmental impact assessment should be done in relation to their application. Um, uh, a full environmental impact assessment is an EU-mandated framework um, which would involve full effective participation of stakeholders and, and the public. Um, you know, all both North and South public should be consulted on this, we feel. And, and to date, any um, consultation that's happened has been advertised only in the north of Ireland. So there's okay. very limited um, awareness of this. And I, I think you have uh, the support of Friends of the Earth, Northern we Ireland, uh, and we also uh, Friends of the Irish Environment, uh, yeah. who are citing uh, this European Convention, uh, which yeah. uh, requires uh, that there would be uh, participation from all of the states that are affected by the work, in other words, North and South. Uh, but uh, the Port Authority has uh, held public meetings uh, and mm-hmm. uh, they've been north of the border. I suppose mm-hmm. you could argue that there was the opportunity for everybody to travel. It's not a million miles away. Yeah, but it wasn't advertised. I mean, we found out about it pure by chance through an environmental um, group, um, Love Your Lock, and it was through Facebook, and that's how we became aware of the public consultation meeting back in September. We, as a club, invited ourselves on to become stakeholders in the process, and we attended a stakeholder meeting there back in October, oh, sorry, back in September, and there were only three Southern representatives at that stakeholder meeting, which was ourselves, um, Greenall Port, and the Locks Agency. So, you know, the the message isn't necessarily being published and getting out there in the South for people to participate in this process. Okay, so what now, I take it uh, this uh, will require licensing uh, and uh, we're some point away from uh, this change in practice uh, occurring uh, and that you're here to raise awareness awareness of what's being proposed, but what else, Phil? Okay, so we as a club, you know, as you, as you said, that raising awareness is key given there is limited awareness. We're also, um, you know, conducting and will continue to conduct our sea search um, 
surveys because what that is helping us do is build up a list um you know of observed species in the lock you know and in that list that we've we've provided into the process here you know there's marine life protected under uk and eu legislation so as divers we can continue to do that we can continue to promote what's under the water and a lot of people can't see we are also um you know reaching out to you know key stakeholders on the southern side so government ministers including the minister of agriculture environment and foreign affairs we're reaching out to local councillors tds senators so we're trying to effectively you know promote right the way up to get people talking about this and 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 through you know the work that friends of the irish environment and friends of the earth are doing as well you know to hopefully open this process up under the you know the the, the various eu conventions that are out there to, to to let this become a much more transparent process very good uh, thanks uh, for joining us uh, phil happy diving uh, and uh, i'm told uh, that uh, there's a, a number of people who are googling the cost of wetsuits as we speak <laughs> <laughs> but we leave, there, we leave it there for the moment thank you indeed for joining us uh, phil scott is a, a member of dundalk's sub aqua club Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Now, Lucia O'Farrell uh, joins us uh, once again. Good morning to you, Lucia, and morning, uh, thanks uh, for uh, taking some time to be with us on uh, the programme. As I say, once again, and people will remember how you've told us how you tragically lost uh, your son in 2011. Shane uh, was uh, cycling home near your home in Carrick Macross, uh, but there's been many questions uh, about how he died and the events that led up to his death and indeed the man uh, who was uh, driving uh, the car uh, and uh, what happened to him and how he was given the choice of leaving the country rather than serving a a sentence uh, for leaving the scene of the accident as such. Uh, And all of these questions, as you've told us, have been raised many times over many years, led to a a GSOC investigation. Uh, That's ongoing to some degree. Uh, But there was a, a dull motion on this in June which called for a commission of investigation to be established to try and answer some of these questions. Uh, but it hasn't happened as yet, and you want to know why. Well, on the, on the 12th of June, Fianna Fáil put forward a private member's motion for a commission of investigation. And Sinn Féin, which we greatly appreciate, Sinn Féin put in an amendment to that, asking that the inquiry be held in public. So we greatly appreciate that, naturally. But Fianna Gael blocked that by putting in an amendment that would uh, let GSOC continue a- another investigation, uh, bearing in mind that people need to know they already had it six years and now they want to commence another one regarding minor discipline. Mm. Now, GSOC are not considering all the matters that have uh, and have ruled out certain matters and as such a, a full public inquiry is needed. But regardless of the, the stand by Fianna Gael to block justice for the vote took place two days later on the 14th of June and there was a two to one vote in favour of a public inquiry for Shane. Mm. So people might think, well, why has that not happened? We have a vote of the people and those people in the Dáil represent people across the country from Donegal to Cork and Kerry. Mm. And beautiful people who feel they have a moral conscience as well as their duty to address an injustice. They voted and they voted in not 51%, a two-to-one vote in favour of a public inquiry. But Fianna Gael are denying that vote and not respecting the vote and uh, are ignoring it. 
And by all accounts, Shane shouldn't have died. He should be alive seven years on Absolutely. from that time he, he was The man was in multiple breaches yeah. of bail. And, yeah. and the people will see today in the front page of the examiner, it says... The headline is, State Agencies Face Questions as Rapists Jailed for 14 Years. And it's, I read the article, it, said, it stated, Evidence was given uh, that this man was in breach of bail conditions but had not been returned to custody. It was a way, it, it, it was a way that uh, there were many chances missed to take Berkeley off the streets by revoking his bail. So it's a worry that, that these chances were missed. Now, in our case, the man was in multiple breaches of bail and had continued to reoffend while on bail. Mm. And yet he wasn't returned. There's clear evidence that there was gross failure for at least 18 months prior to Shane's death, where he was in multiple breaches of bail. But what followed Shane's violent death was cover-up, corruption and collusion by the state to protect the guards and their failure. Now, we would ask, uh, first of all, um, Deputy John McGuinness raised this last week in the Dáil. And uh, he asked the Minister for Justice to respect the vote in the Dáil for, uh, uh, for a public inquiry into, into what happened to Shane. Um, wh- what we would ask Fianna Fáil now to do is to, to get them to act on that, because it was Fianna Fáil who put forward the motion uh, for a public for a commission of investigation. Uh, and we were speaking with John McGuinness yesterday about Sergeant Morris McCabe and indeed the other whistleblower, John Wilson, and how they were treated by Martin Callanan. And I, I think John Wilson is one of uh, the many people who's been campaigning on your behalf That's as well. That's right. He's a very good person. Yes, his life has great purpose. Uh, and uh, indeed believes that uh, there's been a, a lot of mistakes at best, uh, but possibly more, and that needs to be inquired into. Absolutely. But you see, Minister Flanagan is, is probably towing the party line and trying to ignore this, but it isn't going to go away. But what is the party line? Because you met with Andy well, Kenny when he was the teacher. I met with Andy Kenny, but we must, I met with Andy Kenny in, on the 4th of November mm. 2016, and he said that he would look at this when the report came back. Now, we are now into our eighth year without Shane, and the, the excuse, geez, the, the excuse um, Minister Flanagan is saying is, oh, this is now with GSOC. Mm. What we have to bear in mind that in an article written in on the 15th of September and it's up on the website www.justiceforshane.ie and you can read the article there. I have it and, in front of me, and it, article. It's yeah. very clearly that, that what Minister Flanagan is saying regarding GSOC it continue to investigate. It doesn't hold water because I'll just read the very short paragraph. It yes. says, mm. in 2014 the Oireachta set up the O'Higgins Commission of Investigation into complaints of malpractice made by Sergeant Morris McCabe. At the time, there were outstanding disciplinary actions against at least one member in relation to one of the cases to be examined by O'Higgins. The commission went ahead regardless, and there was nothing controversial about doing so. Mm. Uh, and that's an article that's written by Michael Clifford yes, uh, the of Irish the Irish Examiner, Examiner yeah. uh, who Justice Charlton uh, talked about in his report because Absolutely. he reported extensively on Sergeant Morris McCabe. He spoke about the thoroughness, the professionalism and the integrity of his reporting. Yes, and yeah. his article is titled Why are the O'Farrell family uh, still waiting for justice? Now, GSOC is incapable of establishing the full facts surrounding the failure of the whole of the criminal justice process uh, to prevent the death of Shane and to address the, the concerns that our family have. And, and indeed, Michael, that's very much in the public interest over the performance of the criminal process uh, in this matter and in the, in the subsequent investigation, prosecution, trial and sentencing of Zygmantus Gradutska. Now, as Park McLaughlin said, this is a whole of systems failure. But we need a full public inquiry and mm. it's the only viable option to establish the full facts. 
and to learn from it that somebody else doesn't, this mm. doesn't happen to somebody else. And what about this fellow? Uh, I mean, he had so many convictions. Uh, he was in breach of bail. He was a, a drug addict. He, he was driving a, a car that shouldn't have been on the road. And he got the opportunity to escape a prison sentence and was extradited uh, to Lithuania. But uh, have you heard any more about him? Sigmantis uh, Grzyzewska? Uh, is he well, alive? His, his uh, wife didn't return with him. Okay. Uh, and so we, when I contacted the Lithuan, Lithuanian police, they said that he had left Lithuania. Oh. Now, he's not, uh, uh, he cannot have a, a legally a license anywhere in Europe, anywhere in Europe or in Ireland. And, and there's not for one second could you believe that he's not driving. This man abuses both alcohol and drugs. Now, what's very worrying is that seven months before Shane's death, Judge uh, John O'Hagan in Monaghan Circuit Court said that he was adjourning the case on a, on a, for a year on condition that he stay out of trouble, not to reoffend, and that if he was arrested under the theft and fraud legislation, he was to be returned to him anywhere on, on the circuit, and he would jail him. Back in between, prison. That was in, 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 seven months before he killed Shane. Without question, without and opportunity to discuss He would jail it, him. Jail and, him. And between that and killing Shane, he had nine further thefts and he okay. wasn't returned. Now, this article today in the examiner states that state agencies face question those parents aren't going to a grave this man got 14 years and rightly so the man who murdered our child didn't serve five minutes because of cover-up and corruption and in God, the court. God knows what he, he, he's done. In who has he killed years. since then or oh, will go on to kill? So there is, or where is he? Or, or where is he? Yeah. But yeah. they don't want to know here because Fine Gael want to pretend this didn't happen. Now, as Minister for Justice, I'm sure Charlie Flanagan yeah. is a good person, but he needs to, to be a person uh, of the standing of John McGuinness and of Sergeant Morris McCabe and do the right thing yeah. and, and not do what his advisors are telling him because that's to keep, to keep a lid on this. He needs to do, he's Minister for Justice, the buck stops with him. Okay, Lucy, I have to leave it there for the moment, but uh, we'll uh, try to get a, a response to today's interview and uh, indeed some of the points that you've raised uh, with us uh, this morning. And thank you indeed for Thank you very us. much, Michael. Thank you indeed. Thank Lucia you. O'Farrell, mother of Shane O'Farrell. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Maggie McGuire joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Maggie. Morning, Michael. How you doing? Oh well, I, I'm warm. I'm glad to say. Oh well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah, I have yeah. to say. Yeah, and busy actually as well. That's oh a, good. Yeah. yeah. So it's been uh, quite busy on the phones this morning. We have lots of calls and comments coming in. So I'll get cracking and bring you some of the ones we'd left over from yesterday. Actually, um, Timmy was in touch with us about the housing crisis and the discussion we had yesterday with Damien English and he believes that the proposal to pay estate agents to find homes for the um for the to find houses mm. for the homeless even um is a ridiculous proposal and he thinks that what we should do to tackle the problem is take the money that Apple owes and use it to build the houses that we okay, need. Okay, yeah, but we don't want that. No. 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 Mm. And then John was in contact as well in relation to the issue with schools and the structural concerns surrounding some of the local schools. He said that people don't seem to realize the real problem here and that is that these contractors didn't just build schools, they also built our office blocks, our hospitals and our homes and he's wondering are we facing into these 
structural reviews on a much wider scale than originally thought. Well, that's not. Let's hope not. Either. Let's hope I mean, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah. It's not going to get yeah. to that. And then, um, in relation to violence on trains, in your conversation with Imelda Munster, David was in touch to say he thinks it's shocking that people are avoiding using trains um, because they're in fear of violent episodes like the ones we've heard about in recent weeks. He's wondering um, if there would be less people drink driving if our public transport system was safer at night time. Yeah, well, there probably would be less people driving if public service uh, transport was better. This is it, exactly. And there's been a lot of reaction to the opening interview on the programme this morning with Pather, uh, sorry, with Angus O'Snodig mm. and um, the issue of uh, Pather to being suspension. There's been a lot of support in for, for Pather on the phone lines this morning. Um, you know, mixed, actually, people who would be Sinn Féin supporters, yeah. I suppose, and mm. people who aren't and have made points of saying that they're not. Yeah. But mm. uh, Mary was in contact with us and she said she doesn't agree with Pather's um, stance on abortion, um, but she understands that it's a divisive issue and she thinks it's unfair that he was punished for sticking to his convictions instead of towing the party line. Okay. And, and on that line, Mark, is asking, are you even allowed to have an opinion for yourself these days if you're in a political party? He says, um, it's shocking that Pather's been suspended because of his thoughts on abortion. It's not like he stopped it going through anyway. And surely a party should embrace someone within the party challenging the party line. Mm. Um, otherwise, you just have a party full of yes men and yes women and mm. nobody okay. wants that. Yeah. It's not beneficial mm. to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there is a, a point in it and I think that's a, a point that has been made over and over. The other side of it, of course, is who you're voting for if uh, the party is divided on an issue like that. And it's a, a question that we would have asked of, let's say, Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael, uh, mm. who allowed a, a free vote of conscience. Uh, but what does that mean in terms of when they're legislating on it? Uh, whose conscience do they listen to? to? to yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and staying with that, Margaret was um, in touch as well this morning on the phone. She said um, she believes that Sinn Féin have made a mistake in suspending um, Deputy Tobin. All he did was stand by his principles and he's been thrown out of the party for doing that. She said if the party mm. had allowed a free vote on the issue, this could all have been um, avoided. I mean, it's a massively... De- decisive or divisive subject she said and she doesn't think it's right that people are made to vote against what their beliefs were um, and she did and I have to stress this mm. go to pains to point out that she's not a Sinn Féin supporter mm. or or a voter at any point mm. and that she actually invo- uh, voted in favour of repealing the aid herself but she said that she does admire Pather she said he went up in, his est- in her estimation for standing by his beliefs and not being bullied into towing the party line okay. she said it, it, it's rare to see and this is how, these are her words mm-hmm. it's rare to see a public representative have the strength of their convictions and it's horribly unfair to see them being punished for it Alright well he is being punished uh, but that's uh, the democratic position of uh, the party that's what Angus Osnoddy said to us uh, because as he outlined for us on the programme this morning it was a decision that was taken by the membership of Sinn Féin at the party's Ordesh and speaking of which, uh, party conferences are to get underway. The first of them, the Labour Party conference this weekend. Uh, that will be held in Ballsbridge. Uh, Kieran Deneen, public affairs correspondent with the Irish Sun, is on the line. And uh, I suppose there'll be a lot for the Labour Party to contemplate uh, this weekend and to reflect on, given the low numbers they have and how their poll ratings are so poor at this stage, Kieran. Well, exactly. I mean, following, uh, you know, a very disappointing uh, general election not too long ago, the, the party has failed to really uh, make any headway in the um, in polls and is, is languishing at five or six percent, uh, which which would which would be make it difficult to even return its current seventy days. But there is a, a bit of a pick in the step of Labour leader Brendan Howland and Labour members generally following the landslide victory for Michael De Higgins, um, while he did run as an independent, the Labour Party are certainly claiming uh, some of the victory and um, 
because obviously he he, is, he he was a labour to lead for many many years, Michael Higgins, and they're hoping that they might get some bounce out of that. And of course, we've had the um, the passing of the uh, abortion referendum, which they also feel was, I guess, uh, one of their uh, main uh, focuses for a long, long time. So um, you know, it, it, the, the troops in labour have, I suppose, been down down the dumps for a while now, but mm. uh, they are certainly seem to be regrouping somewhat. Well, Michael D. Higgins is very popular, whether that's uh, because of his long-term membership of uh, the Labour Party or because of his record uh, in uh, the office of uh, the President or the support of the other political parties, I suppose, is anybody's guess. But what about the support that Brendan Howland uh, is enjoying or not enjoying, as uh, the case may be? Is he a popular leader at this stage? Well, he certainly there's certainly a number of councillors uh, who would like to see a change, and Alan Kelly has uh, effectively put himself out there as the alternative uh, uh, man who could uh, take over the uh, party. But um, Brendan Howler has the backing of, of the other TDs, and they basically call the shots when it comes to who is the leader. But uh, you know, the feeling would be that Brendan Howler will get a, another general election, and um, if he fails to um, get to uh, increase their number of seats uh, up to perhaps 10 or some, something around that or more, then, um, you know, his, his days could be over. But, uh, you know, he's got a lot of experience mm. and he's well thought of. And even those who, um, who you know, would like to see a change in, in, in leadership have a lot of respect for Brendan Howell. All right. And a lot of this will be on the telly tomorrow. Uh, and, and indeed... Uh I'm sure people will be watching it with interest, uh, but there'll be awards given tomorrow to Vicky Phelan, Lorraine Walsh and uh, Stephen Teep, obviously names uh, that we've become familiar with because of uh, the cervical check scandal. They're to be presented with the Joe Cox Award by Labour Women. I'm sure a lot of people will like that uh, idea. Alan Kelly, though, is uh, also to be given this uh, award. Uh, Will that uh, be seen positively or will people look on that cynically? Well, I mean, I think the party, you know, want to keep uh, Alan Kelly on side and they want to uh, keep him inside the tent. Um, he does have, bring a lot of party. Brendan Howland and people around Brendan Howland w- would accept that. So, um, you know, for the party to do to do well in the next general election and after that, they really do need uh, to get the best out of Alan Kelly and the best out of Brendan Howland. OK, well, uh, I see Dominic Hannigan, uh, former TD and uh, Senator, will have a, a role. He'll be chairing one of uh, the meetings. Uh, perhaps uh, this is the next step in him returning to politics. Oh, yeah, very possibly. There's a number of, uh, you know, former uh, uh, TDs and high-profile politicians, uh, or Labour politicians, who are still in the party and are either acting as local area reps or as councillors, so... You know, um, Brendan Howland has managed to keep, I guess, some of these big names who, uh, you know, are no longer in the Dalish Senate in the team. So, uh, you know, perhaps the voters will uh, remember them and, and, and be keen to get them back elected again uh, next time around. Yeah, and maybe uh, voting for Hannigan in the European elections, uh, I've been hearing. But uh, we'll leave it there for the moment. We'll hear what Labour has to say for itself over the weekend. And thanks for joining us uh, this morning. Kieran Deneen is the Public Affairs Correspondent with The Irish Sun. Now back to some more of your thoughts. Maggie, you have some more calls there. So we'll um, leave Labour for a little while and return back to Sinn Féin. Okay. And, uh, it's, it's still staying my father. Tobin Charlie was in touch to say he wasn't too impressed um, by the reasons given by Angus 
Francis Snodig on the programme earlier today for Pather's suspension. Uh, he said again, like mm. other callers, that you know he didn't necessarily agree with Pather's stance on the abortion issue, but he admires him for sticking up for what he believes in. He said that Pather didn't hide um, behind corners on the issue like some other politicians did. And he feels that his suspension is just childish on the part of Sinn Féin and a case of the party trying to be ultra-political. OK, well... We'll hear from Padre Tobin in a couple of minutes' time yeah. and see what he makes of what Angus O'Snoody had to say to us today and uh, indeed in the last 24 hours. We might come back to some more of those yeah, calls. I see you have an yeah, awful lot in front of you do, there. We do, yeah. actually. Uh, more coming paper. in. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, look, thanks for that, uh, Maggie, and thanks to everybody who's been in touch with us today. As I say, we hope to have more time for more comments. And if you'd like to add to what's been said, you're welcome to give Maggie or Ross a call now. They'd love to hear from you. And our telephone number is 1850 Michael Reed on LMFM. Pader Tobin has uh, described his suspension from Sinn Féin, a de facto expulsion from uh, the party. Hard to argue with that, listening to the Chief Whip, Angus O'Study, talking to us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. And what we do know for certain is uh, that Pader Tobin is no longer a Sinn Féin TD and that he's no longer a member of the Sinn Féin party. He is on the line and good morning to you. Good morning. How are you feeling this morning? Oh, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. Um, there's no doubt about it. But I, I do want to say um, there are many other people in far more difficult situations uh, than myself. Um, so it's, we need to put things in perspective a little bit as well. Um, there's no doubt it's, it's a difficult issue uh, for me, Sinn Féin, uh, and a lot of my comrades in, in the county too. Um, I suppose, first of all, I, I just want to say that I don't want to get really involved in a back and forth with the party in this. And I think it's it's important we draw a line under the issue soon. Um, I was told that the party wouldn't be issuing a statement on the issue at all, and I had no plan to do so either. But obviously yesterday morning a statement appeared and uh, reps were going on the radio. So I suppose it kind of makes it forces me to set the record straight to a certain extent. Okay. And uh, I want uh, to say, obviously, uh, that uh, Angus is a decent man. and yeah. Actually, he's the first Sinn Féin rep that I canvassed for 21 years ago in Dublin, South Central, when I joined the party uh, straight after college. Um, and um, obviously, it's, um, it's, it's a difficult situation to, to manage, but hopefully we'll manage through it. OK, well, I, I was going to ask you uh, if uh, your supporters locally would see it as uh, an act of treachery uh, to expel you effectively, as is the case, it seems. Well, I, I suppose... There's, 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 like, like in every family, even probably in your own office in this, there are strong views on all sides on the particular issue uh, of abortion. And most people would have a view that, you know, you know mm. no matter what side you come from, that there should be respect and there should be space for people to articulate um, their view on it. And that's always been my view. My view has been, you know, that a whip never actually, there's no example I know of in the world where a whip has been successful in this. In that where it's been implemented, it's never held uh, yeah. elected reps back from voting along their conscience. And but that's, that's, that's the whip that was applied by the membership. And that was what Angus O'Snoddy was saying to us this morning. He's saying it's not treachery, it's democracy. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm asking you the same question I asked him. Do people locally see it uh, as democracy or treachery? I, I don't want to speak for anybody uh, else other than myself on this. Um, but just to say that... Um, uh, yes, an organisation can vote for a whip, but what they can't do is prevent the collateral damage that happens as a result of that whip, because the two go hand in hand with each other, and that's, and that's the case. 
I suppose on, on this occasion, my difficulty with the situation is, yes, the party has a policy for suspension on this, on breaking the whip, and I accept that. However, due to the political instability that we have, I have been told at the highest levels that as a result of my vote, that uh, the party, that I wouldn't, if there was an election and the view was that it was likely that there would be an election, that I wouldn't be able to stand for the party in that period of time. And indeed, the party would prepare another candidate in the local area and that there would be no way back for me in the party. Mm. Now, I appreciate what Angus has said, and Angus is technically correct. Mm. Anybody can apply for membership of the party. Yeah, but Donald you're going Trump to be tested. But you're going to be tested and you're not going to change your views, so you're not going to be accepted. It's, it, it, yeah. it's yeah. the acceptance yeah. is yeah. the particular yeah. issue yeah. at heart here. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I've invested 21 years of my energy into the development of this. My core, you know, uh, the reason I get up in the morning outside my family uh, is for my objectives with regards uh, a United Ireland and economic justice. And yeah. I've been on your show oh, a yeah. hundred times oh, over yeah. the last number of years arguing the points around economic justice on behalf of the party, and there'll be very little in the difference. And they've thrown you to the wolves now. I mean, we're getting an awful lot of calls from an awful lot of people who are supporting you. They're Sinn Féin supporters, and they're not Sinn Féin supporters. They're uh, pro-life supporters, and they're pro-choice supporters. Uh, But they feel that an injustice has happened here, uh, and that you've uh, been treated in a way that they don't agree with is that it? I mean, from where I was saying to you last week that this is all theatrics, but it seems a very different situation this morning. I'm surprised. Are you surprised? And do you believe that this is it? Well, what I'm hoping now at this stage is the party has achieved its objectives with regards repeal of the eighth. It's 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 99 percent going to achieve its objectives with regards to legislation. And after that, what I would like to note is just a, a little bit of thought and discussion around is there space for people like myself then to be full members of the party uh, in, in future and not Lanigan, Lanigan's ball type situation mm. where I stepped in and I mm. stepped out again situation because that's not healthy for my uh, the constituents in Mead, it's not he- he- healthy for the organisation in Mead and it's not healthy for the party either and I think you know I just want to know back, and in fairness, I've, I've, I've emailed the chairperson of the organisation to see what is the plan for the party going forward on this particular issue. Is it going to remain the same, or will there be space made for the many people, the many Republican voters, uh, members, and elected reps who would have similar views to myself on this? Did you know you were losing your membership, apart from uh, the whip in the doll, and uh, that you are free now to act in the way that any independent TD can act, as Angus O'Snuddy put it to us this morning? Yeah, l- listen, I, I, I know that the, the situation that's, that, that I'm stripped of membership as such during the period. Um, and of course, like, you know, um, I, I, I imagine that. Um, you know, in the end of the day, logic would dictate uh, that if we were to have a cohesive re-entry, that obviously my behaviour in the interim would need to be, you know, somewhere in the same space. Mm. Uh, and that's logical. Um, and, and, and well, I, can I ask you about the two issues uh, that I, I was asking Angus O'Snuddy about? Will you join that group of ATDs who are looking for amendments? Uh, and can you tell us what your intentions are in terms of your salary? Well, first of all, just with regards to the amendments, I have submitted uh, amendments to the bill. Um, and um, the amendments I put in are, are, are very simple amendments. One is to make sure, obviously, that abortion can't be had on the issue of disability 
Another one is to um, make it illegal to have an abortion on the basis of gender. So we know the Labour Party in in Britain, for example, are looking to ban gender selection abortion, which is which is allowed for under the proposed Irish legislation. I've looked for uh, amendments to allow for doctors or free doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and pharmacists to have freedom of conscience in this issue. Because the bill actually states that the a doctor must make arrangements for an abortion. Now, if I was to make arrangements for your death, I would be both morally and legally culpable. And 600 doctors in the last couple of days have signed you know, a document saying that they, want, that they want the government to look at this and to change this, and they're not willing to, to uh, act uh, in accordance with the government legislation. People don't realise this at home. The, the, the healthcare sector is at odds with the government with regards to the government's plans on this. And I would say it's really unhealthy, literally, for the government to ignore the doctor's concerns on this. Mm. Um, well, they're concerned on a number of fronts. One, that they won't have the wherewithal to uh, provide the service, or if they don't want to provide the service, that they'll have to refer somebody on to somebody who... For will, sure. So yeah. they don't, they're, they're, they're not trained to do it. They don't have the technology to do it. And many of them don't want to be involved uh, in, an, in an abortion. And think about it. Anybody here, if, the gov- if, if Simon Harris said that your office has to become an abortion clinic, most people will go, hey, mm. you well, have to discuss that with I, us first. I don't think he is saying that. He's saying if you won't, uh, you have to refer it on to somebody who will. But not just make mm. a r- referral here. Make a, the, 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 the legislation says make arrangements for. Mm. Arrangements lead, it, there is a responsibility, an individual personal responsibility when you arrange something. Okay. Um, and that's, and that's, but you'll, and that's you'll continue to campaign on those issues. Like mm. th- this issue is, you know, is, is one of the most important issues for me. And, and I'm, I'm, I also want to say this as well, like, and I know this, that this has been said, that you know, the majority voted for this. I accept the majority voted for uh, repeal of the eighth, And I accept that there will be abortion in Ireland. I don't agree with it, but I accept that that's the democratic will of the people. Um, but there are 34% of the population out there that voted no. And also about 20% of yes voters don't agree with this particular legislation. They need a voice as well, Michael. And, you know, sometimes people, you know, they look at Trump and even Peter Casey, even though, you know, I wouldn't put him in the same camp as Trump. But people get, you know, really anxious and go, how do people vote for individuals like this? The way you you, you push people to vote for those types of individuals is that you deny them a voice, a reasonable voice on these issues. And TDs should represent the people in society in roughly the proportions of their views on this issue. And for as and long as you're a TD, you're telling us you will do that. For as long as you're a TD, will you continue to support Sinn Féin financially? Uh, as, long, as, as, as long as I'm a Sinn Féin TD. But you're not. Um, for, listen, I haven't come to any... You can imagine this has just happened. Well, I know. Well, well, you were through this before, yeah. so... Uh, I, I was, mean, but I'm, I'm, and before, I, I fully supported uh, financially. In the six months that I was... Mm. Um, and you knew you would be going back, uh, but this time... I, and I fully supported Sinn Féin financially at that time. And I paid for the offices and, and all the bills and everything that went with it. And I had, I had no problem in that. Um, what I'm looking to find out here is, you know, in the long term, is there a space for people like myself? And just, and, and just that understanding, because... And if you don't get that understanding, I, I, I take it then it's time to sever all ties, including well, the financial support. I don't want to, I don't want to speculate okay. on yeah, no, that. I want fair. to okay. fix it yeah. if, if we can. And okay. that, I, I, for me I, to be saying that I'm going to sever all ties would be a threat to a certain extent. Okay. That wouldn't mm. be the right way to engage with comrades with regards how to... to, to, to uh, okay, to but, but, but given what we heard from Angus O'Snoddy this morning, which... Uh, 
could change, of course. But what we heard was that there's little prospect of a place for Patertobin in Sinn Féin because of your views on abortion. Uh, and given what you've just said to us now about public representatives highlighting the issues that a third of the population have, would you not run as a, an independent? Well, first of all, it, it, that's very important to me because the doll is stocked high full of TDs who say one thing and do another. And there's no need to add to that heap uh, in there at the moment. You need, I think we need more TDs who actually will stand by what they say in advance of it. And I had, a, obviously, a central role in the campaign. There's no integrity for me to pretend uh, and, uh, you know, to flip on this particular issue now whatsoever. Uh, with regards to developments, you know, I'm in the party 21 years. It's mm. a big investment, a massive investment uh, on my part. And I have some really good comrades and friends wrapped up in all of this as well. Uh, and I owe them a responsibility to see, is there a solution uh, to this in the long run? You know, the, the solution is glaring. It's all over the world. Mm. Every single democratic organization of any size whatsoever, you know, I was a little bit of space in, in, in this particular Okay, issue. but what, what, is, what, what is the problem? Uh, I mean, I, I think we know and understand what you mean about the solution uh, and uh, allowing you to uh, hold your own view without being expelled or suspended or Lannigan's ball or whatever. But what is the problem or what's at the root of uh, the problem? Uh, I put it to Angus O'Snoddy that this didn't happen under Gerry Adams' reign. Uh, subsequent to that, Mary Lou MacDonald has taken over. Carol Nolan is gone. It looks like you're all but gone. Uh, a de facto expulsion is how you put it. And we've had this dismal presidential campaign uh, and the outcome for Sinn Féin. Uh, have you any comment to make in respect of all of that? Well, first of all, um, every party has uh, ups and downs. Um, you know, I remember in 2004 we had a wonderful local election and it looked like we were going to win a seat here in 2007 in the general election and that didn't happen. But the party regrouped at that time. It had some some level of introspection, and it built, and we had a fantastic result in 2011. So, you know, there, there is an ebb and flow in the development of any organisation. It's the long-term trajectory that's important. And obviously, if you look at Sinn Féin's long-term trajectory, when I joined the party, it was at 2% in the polls. And now, obviously, it is between 15 and 20, depending on which poll you actually read. So, listen, there, there, is, there is development to be had here. I, I always feel it's important that members are empowered to both, uh, you know, get involved, you know, robustly in internal discussion in the party, and to challenge leadership as well. Because if you have a strong grassroots, you have a healthier organisation, and if you have healthy dissent, you have healthier uh, development within that organisation. Mm-hmm. Dissent is not something to be feared. It's actually respectful dissent is a positive attribute in any organisation. This country, we're paying. Is there room for it in Sinn We owe about 40 grand a year in this country Mm. because of the herd mentality and the groupthink that existed. Well, you give it to Sinn Féin at the moment, but uh, is there room for dissent in Sinn Féin? Well, obviously, um, I suppose um, I've been involved in in very robust uh, discussions at all levels in the party, and I believe there is, and I I believe it's important. Okay. Had respectfully. Okay, listen, I, I have run over time and I have to leave there. I'm sure we'll have many conversations uh, in between now and the next uh, election, but just very briefly, do you believe that will be before April? Sorry, can you say that again? The, the next election. Do you believe there will be an election before I April? think there's a 50% chance uh, there's, a, there's going to be an election before uh, the start of May, which would be rough, the rough time and that the um, suspension could run out. So okay. it's, it's in 
the lap of the gods. Okay, well, look, we'll leave it there for the moment, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us here this morning. That's Patrick Hobain, now an independent TD for Meath West. Michael Reed on LMFM. The Services uh, Division of SIPTU began its biannual delegate conference in Port Leash yesterday as uh, the conference got underway. Staff at Google offices around the world were walking off the job to protest uh, about how allegations of sexual harassment were dealt with by the company and how the company is insisting on people going into arbitration uh, to settle disputes of uh, that sort. Uh, it was on the minds of delegates in Portleash and we're joined by Karen O'Loughlin, SIP2 Services Division Organiser. Good morning to you, Karen, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. I think you uh, congratulated the staff on uh, the position they were taking, but you were also encouraging them to join a trade union. Yes, good morning, Michael. That's right. I mean, we saw this coming through on the news at lunchtime that uh, very large numbers of people um, around the world, including in Dublin, um, had just decided to say enough is enough and they organised this walkout. So really what I was saying is that I commend them for standing up for themselves and for having the courage to combine and stand together like that. Uh, But the the next natural extension of that activity, in my view, would be to form a union. That's what I was saying yesterday. Why so? Because um, in forming a union, you really can regularise the, the, and regulate the workplace to get a more balanced input and to have more influence on your own working terms and conditions and the environment in which you work. The sort of oppressive environment uh, where harassment exists and any form of intimidation exists, very, very difficult to continue to work in those spaces. Mm. So forming a union, coming together to, to get good policies agreed with the employer in that regard, I think that's the natural extension of their work now. Well, I suppose there's a, a number of issues. Uh, you could join a, a trade union uh, and it wouldn't be recognised, which I think probably would be the case with one of uh, these multinationals. Uh, there's also the issue that it would have no bearing on your rights and entitlements. Uh, and I guess the last part of it all is that you are talking about uh, some of uh, the best paid people with some of the best working conditions in the country. Yeah, and obviously there is... Um, look, I don't really accept this business about that, you know, that they probably won't be recognised. There are many, many multinationals right across this island um, who recognise trade unions and have good working relationships uh, with trade unions. I, I think it would be foolish in the extreme for a company like Google to ignore that many employees if they decided that that's what they wanted to do. Uh, freedom of expression and creativity, etc. You strangle it to death if you try to operate like that. Um, the fact that people are on good wages um, doesn't necessarily mean to say that they work in a good environment uh, and people might be very happy with their pay and with their terms and conditions. It's not about that. It's about respect in the, wor- in the workplace. Can you influence your environment? Does your employer treat people with respect? And the obvious answer from yesterday's um, demonstration is no, they don't. They don't feel respected in that company. Well, they're standing together and oh. indeed uh, they're standing uh, on their own uh, uh, feelings uh, on this individually. Uh, you said yesterday in Port Leash that the place for all workers is in their union, but in particular, uh, women's place is a woman's place is in her union. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think uh, you forgive me if uh, I said that that could be construed as being misogynistic. 
I really don't see how you could take that from that when you look at what happens in the working economy. Um, 65% of people on low pay are women. Women are really badly underrepresented when it comes to pensions. Mm. Uh, the predominantly female workforces, like people who work in childcare, these are highly educated um, women and they're working for minimum wage sometimes less, and their work is precarious because they have no work at all during the summer. So women are disadvantaged um, in employment in the way that many, many uh, men will never experience. So I would make no apologies for saying to women, really, your place is in your union and you need to organise yourselves to make the workplace a better, more friendly place for you. Mm, But some of the most capable people in the country are female, aren't they? Oh, I'm not suggesting that women aren't capable. I'm suggesting that they're very capable and that they need to organise collectively so that they can influence political decisions in the economy and that they can influence policies that affect their lives at work. But does that take away from what I would imagine is a a fact that there are many individual women who are more than capable, capable of negotiating for themselves? Yeah, and it's not an, it's not about negotiating the best price for yourselves. Many many people are capable of doing that, and to suggest that people women would join a union because they're incapable of negotiating for themselves, um, I, that's something that I really can't accept. It's about combined power. It's about creating leverage. It's about standing together to say women deserve a better shake, uh, and I think that's best done collectively. Mm, but if you do it individually, uh, surely there is uh, the collective gain anyway, because you're looking at terms and conditions uh, and uh, the uh, policies of a, a company in terms of the circumstances that you're talking about, are you not? Yeah, but you can't influence uh, the whole... Like If you work for a big company, you can't influence the whole, for example, maternity leave policy, um, either in your company or in the state. You can't influence that. You can't influence that by yourself. Mm. Uh, You have to combine and get leverage to influence that. For example, if you're a woman uh, working in a skilled job and you're highly paid, etc., if your company doesn't have a policy of paid maternity leave, immediately when you uh, decide that you want to have children, your income goes through the floor because you end up just on the minimum state benefit. So that's a serious disadvantage for women. And you can't change that by just negotiating individually with your employer. You can't change that for women in general. You might be able to influence it for yourself for five minutes, Mm. but it doesn't change the situation for everybody else. So real and sustainable change is about women standing together and saying, you know what, we make up half of the world that we live in and we deserve to be treated equally and we deserve to be not disadvantaged when we're at work. We deserve to be not penalised because we we have children to keep keep the world regenerated. You know, so mm. that's what I'm saying. Collectively, uh, uh, they're they're stronger. Why why is it then? Do you think, uh, Karen, uh, that uh, some of the most skilled, best paid professionals in this country, male and female, are not members of a trade union? But there are many uh, very well paid workers who are. People take decisions uh, for reasons of their own. They sometimes feel they don't need it. Sometimes people aren't very political in terms of what goes on around them collectively. Uh, they just will do their own thing. People don't. I, there was a survey done a couple of years ago uh, for non-union people and the the most frequent answer actually was why aren't you in a union and they said because no one ever asked me. Right. So there's a job of work for the trade unions to do to reach beyond I suppose a lot of the traditional employments we're in, and that formed part of the debate at the conference yesterday. We were talking about the changing world of work, the areas of growth, like in the technology sector, um, and what I like to call the deconstructed sector, Mm. where people work has become so deconstructed for a lot of people that they can't make a living. 
um, from it anymore. So that we need to reach out into those environments and to growing numbers of freelance workers who have no employment rights at all um, to try to organise those people into the union to seek to influence their situation as well, to help them mm. to influence their situation. Well, no doubt there's a, a lot of uh, truth in what you say, especially when you look at how uh, men earn 16.2% more than women across uh, the 28 European countries and uh, the European Commission has designated tomorrow as EU Equal Pay Day. Uh, uh, obviously uh, an issue, uh, and I'm sure pay an issue uh, for your members uh, as you meet uh, again for a second day today. Yes, it is, absolutely. Okay, Karen, we leave it there for the moment. Thank you indeed okay, for joining you, us uh, from Port Leash. Karen O'Lockton, SIP2 Services uh, Division Organiser. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now we're going to speak with uh, some members of uh, the Drogheda Bids Committee. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, that's a, a typo or if it should say the Dundalk Bids Committee, uh, but uh, let's find out a little bit more with uh, a couple of men who are working and indeed have businesses in Drogheda. Niall Kearns and Jeff Fitzpatrick, good morning to you and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, let's uh, begin at the beginning. Uh, we are talking about Drogheda first of all, uh, but uh, maybe uh, you'd uh, Explain to us, uh, Niall, what BIDS is. Well, basically BIDS stands for Business Improvement District. And what the idea is that ratepayers in a given area decide on um, promoting this project towards the town. And the idea Mm. of the the project is that a small surcharge is put on the rates. This funding is collected by the council and is then returned to this organisation, which will become a limited company. And that money is then used for the improvement of the town, you know, for various projects for the good of the town. So and I intentionally made the error at the beginning because uh, it's a scheme that's been running in Dundalk for some time. And people are very enthusiastic about it. It's been very successful. But certainly the feedback we get from Dundalk is that they're delighted with it. You're statutorily obliged to renew it after a period of years. They chose a three-year period. We're talking of a five-year period. But they've now renewed it for the, its third time with a vote of 80, 86.5% in favour of it. So mm. obviously they feel it's worthwhile. All right. And uh, I suppose, Jeff, nobody likes paying taxes. People certainly don't like paying rates. Why should they pay more in their rates? Oh, no, yeah. Well, that's a very good question. Um, like I, we've been involved in business now in Drogheda for over 20 years, Fit Scientific, we've 40 people working up in the Boyne Business Park and I've been in, involved on a voluntary basis on lots of different projects and I think this project is a perfect fit for Drogheda. I think we've kind of seen the, the benefits of the FLA and we've seen how when local communities get together and engage that they can really have a momentum and I think that's there and it's evident and I think this structure gives a platform for local businesses and employers to to put money into a fund that mm. they can have direct uh, direct kind of control on and can decide on what projects to to, to And is that the kind of thing on. that you're talking about? Because, I mean, uh, there was a, a lot of enthusiasm uh, about the FLA, obviously, uh, and people were saying it should be in Drogheda every year, not only because Drogheda is great for the FLA, but the FLA is great for Drogheda and it makes all of us wealthier uh, and happier. Yeah. Uh, and the FLA will be in Drogheda next year, but that's it. But are, are you talking yeah. about it investing in something like that? Yeah, well, it's it's all, it's kind of to set up a structure. Like, I was involved in Local Heroes 2009 11 and out of that that was a kind of a coming together and there were some great projects I mean the the Mill Enterprise Centre was one of the projects that came out of that the the flat itself was one of the projects but also the Boyneside Trail was another one mm. and it's that kind of we want to kind of have that permanent structure where these projects get addressed every year on a continual improvement and growth and kind of growing 
growing the town of Drada. I love Drada. I think it's a great place to live in. It's a great place to work in. And um, I, you know, I think I think I fully support this 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 idea of setting up a business improvement district. And we want to see it. We want to see it. You know, we have mm. to go out there and get the votes. We have to get. We have to convince other ratepayers that it's the right thing to do. And um, that's kind of what we're what we're what we're counting. Is there a risk, though, Niall? Do you think uh, that? Uh, this could be seen as a, a way of saving money by the council. No, uh, it is actually very well established. It is st- set up st- uh, statutorily. Um, we are almost excluded from taking on any tasks that the council already do. Mm. So there will be a baseline survey before we start any of our projects to identify what the council are presently doing. So the council and cuts grass, you don't cut we grass. We will not be taking over any mm. of the council's yeah. activities. The, ca- the council doesn't put up Halloween decorations. You might. No, you have it, yeah. yeah. No, you're, mm. You have it bang on there. Mm. We would see that there's a number of strands we wish to cover, various headings, you know, the retail in the town centre, um, the tourism and lifestyle, communications. There's so many different areas that we wish to cover. These are things that the council aren't really doing and aren't likely to ever do. Mm. You know, for example, whereas the council do a reasonably good job of keeping our town quite clean and I know uh, certainly in our town centre they do in my mind quite a good job for the for the best part and um, there are areas where we feel we can further improve we, for example there's weeds o- hanging out of many of the buildings downtown it's not that the owners of the properties don't want to remove the weeds but they just don't have the wherewithal to organise hoists and everything else this mm. is something we might undertake to do similarly the removal of graffiti and things like that it's not a function of the council mm. as such but we might undertake to do it because and we if want you go, if you go back to the flag cause yeah. I, I mean sometimes these things can be very hard to understand but I think everybody thought the town looked great with yes. window boxes and all yeah. that sort of thing the buildings being painted up and that that brought people into the town yeah. and the benefit then was obvious to all of us. Very much so. And I mean, mm. there was a community buy-in. I mean, it's very mm. obvious that, you know, many people out there really wanted our town to shine and they did. Um, so we know full well that, they, they, you know, the goodwill is already there. So we wish to tap into this and to further improve it and bring it a quantum leap on from where we presently are. And we mm. think we're well capable of, you know, delivering what is required. There's plenty of excellent suggestions out there. Uh, we might not get to do all of them, mm. but we'll certainly have a good stab at doing most of them. Okay, uh, this has been in the pipeline uh, for some time. It hasn't uh, been bought into uh, no. as yet. Where are you at with this, Jeff? Yeah, well, we're going to hold. Um, we're kind of we've we've set up a working group. We've about twenty six um, rate paying businesses involved in that working group at the moment. Uh, we're going to hold two workshops now in November. One on Monday, the twelfth of November, and then one on the twenty eighth, which is a Wednesday. At six fifteen in the Westcourt Hotel, we're inviting all Drogheda ratepayers to come along, and we're kind of doing a workshop. We've 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 already collated a number of ideas that we want projects that we want to engage in. Uh, We want to present kind of what we're what we're proposing, and uh, get. Get, get interaction, get more ideas, and then we can put those together. In terms uh, and of you were saying that it would be established on a, a statutory basis. Would that make it obligatory for businesses uh, to sign up uh, and to contribute? It would make it obligatory. Mm. Firstly, I mean, we, we have to hold our, our plebiscite, a vote of mm. the ratepayers. If the majority of vote, ratepayers vote for it, it then becomes automatic as such. It now means that, unfortunately, you do have ratepayers who, you might use the term of freeloaders, that they want things done but don't want to do any of it themselves. They won't be able to get bypass the system if it's established. But the real idea is actually to collate everything together because so many individuals are doing their own thing in an uncoordinated fashion. Uh, and would this take over some of that, let's say... Uh, 
some of the work that the Chamber of Commerce would do, like putting on the Christmas lights and that type but of thing. But the Chamber of Commerce actually don't do the Christmas lights, oh, but okay. they do other functions, right. okay. in, in mm, fairness. Mm, mm. No, again, a bit like the council, we don't intend to overstep on anybody else's patch as such. Mm. Um, but we, you, so, subject like the Christmas lights, it is typical in many bids areas that they would take on the Christmas lights. Um, and again, what happens then is you probably have a more coordinate, coordinated scheme rather than kind of an individual mm. scheme in each of the individual streets. Um, so, yeah, it can work, it can work that way. And, and I suppose, like, the FLA, the Christmas lights is a good example. Everybody loves the Christmas lights. You come into town to see the Christmas lights, you bring your children in to see the Christmas lights, and you buy some Christmas presents while you're at it. Uh, and that may be very good uh, for the town centre traders uh, as such. Uh, what's the benefit for people like yourself, Jeff, yeah. who are outside of the town yeah, and the business well, parks? I'm, I look at this as kind of, uh, like some of the longer term stuff we're looking at is in terms of enterprise development it's making Drogheda a more attractive place for small medium sized businesses to set up in Drogheda we know there's a huge amount of people that get in the car every morning and go up the M1 to Dublin we want to see you know what percentage there is at least 10-15% of those people who could actually start a business in Drogheda and we want to create the environment that's favourable for them to create jobs and have jobs in Drogheda um, and you know, mm. so so that for me, as well as that, other things like training and development, uh, we do a huge amount of training that we think we could we could do a lot of that in Drogheda and kind of getting the right skills, people with the right skills, working with DKIT, working with DCU, working with Diffie to kind of work and mm. coordinate those those skills together. That's some of that work has already been being kind of coordinated through SkillsNet and the mill are kind of working a lot on that. And I can I say that the mm. mill is a fantastic project set up in 2014. There's 80 people working in the mill now. There's 30 businesses there. And one of the businesses that originally established and was a local heroes project way back when a contingent from Drogheda went out to California and got Yapstone into Drogheda. Mm. There's over 100 people working in Yapstone and they were one of the first people into the mill. So that kind of stuff is really paying huge dividends Very to good. the local mm-hmm. economy. And, and Will there be a plebiscite? Oh, there has yeah, to be, yes. Yeah, yeah. There, there yes. Will, oh, yeah, yeah it's not yeah. It's not something we can bypass. No, but there will be one. Is, there, is, is there it's inevitable? Have, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. We have to put it past right, our right. council first right. and get their okay. approval before uh, we go down that avenue. But. So, so this could pass people by if they don't participate in the run-up to that plebiscite. Uh, and what did you say, Wednesday evening in the West Court for that uh, The 12th, uh, Monday the 12th of Mon- November and then Wednesday the 28th of November. Okay, all right. Okay. Look, thanks to both of you yeah. for coming in to us uh, this morning. Uh, that's uh, Jeff Fitzpatrick and Niall Kearns, both members of uh, the committee hoping to bring bids to Drogheda and bring our programme to its conclusion today. We're out of time. Hope you have a lovely weekend and God willing we'll see you for our next programme on Monday morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.